Amen. Thank you, worship team. At this time, children, you are dismissed for children's church and children's worship. If everyone else will go ahead and take your Bibles this morning, we're going to open up to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, this morning we're going to make our way into verses 14 through 21 as we talk about growing in our relationship with Christ. Growing in our relationship with Christ. Oh, you're good. You're good. Everything is fine. (laughs) Amen. Mama wasn't fast enough this morning. Mama wasn't fast enough. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, this morning we're going to pick up in verse 14. And here Paul is praying for the Ephesians to grow in their relationship with Christ. And in the text, we're going to see three ways in which we can pray to grow in our relationship with Christ. So here's what we are doing. We are looking at what Paul prays on behalf of the Ephesians. And we are going to pray this for ourselves. We're going to pray this for one another, noticing that this is the work of God in us, not the work of us trying to be better at walking with Jesus. And I want to make sure we understand the distinction there. Oftentimes, we come to the Christian faith and the Christian life as if we need to do better at living for Jesus. And I just want you to understand, I want to take some of the pressure off. You can't do better. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need Jesus to begin with. Amen? We need Jesus, and this is not something that we can get better at or do better at. What happens is we pray that God would do this in us and through us as we submit to Him. Now, God doesn't force us. We do have to be willing participants, amen? We we, we can't just live in sin and hope God will fix everything. No, we've got to live rightly before the Lord, but we can't live rightly before the Lord unless God is working in us and through us. And the way that happens is when we come before the Lord and we submit ourselves to Him more and more and more each and every day. You're like me. You wake up every morning and you have to submit yourself afresh and anew to the Lord Jesus Christ for that day. Amen? And then as you're getting ready in the morning, you got to do it again. And then on your way to work, when traffic gets bad, you got to do it again. Amen? It's an ongoing process where you're submitting yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're hoping and asking and praying that God will do these things. And so in the text, we're going to see three ways in which we can pray so that we will grow in our relationship with Christ. So let's read the text starting in verse 14. Make our way through verse 21. We'll pray and then we'll jump in. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. 
Lord, we come before you again this morning and we just want to thank you for allowing us to gather together this morning in comfort and peace without worry so that we can focus on your word. I pray that you would speak to us now through the word. Lord, I pray that you would do these things that we're going to see in this text in us as a church and in us individually. Lord, we are so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. We pray that your great work in us would continue as we submit ourselves more and more to you each and every day. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, before we jump into the first point, I want you to look with me at verse 14, and I want to make sure that we understand the context within the book of Ephesians. Notice that Paul says, for this reason, at the beginning of verse 14. Now, look with me back in chapter 3, verse 1, because Paul says there, for this reason reason. Here's what I want you to know. As we talked about the last two weeks, when Paul got to chapter three, he was coming right off of his discussion about the unity that God has now brought to the Jews and the Gentiles, how God has brought them together as one body, partakers of the same promise, members of the same temple at the end of chapter 2. And he comes out of chapter 2 focused on the unity that God has now brought into the body of Christ. And he says, for this reason, I, Paul. Now, before he can get to the reason, Paul goes off on what we might call a tangent. He goes off on a rabbit trail, if you will. He gets sidetracked in his own mind, being led by the Holy Spirit and inspired and anointed by the Holy Spirit. It's not like that was our sidetrack where we get distracted. God took Paul in another direction from chapter 3, verse 2 on to verse 13. And so in verse 14, Paul's jumping back into what he was starting in verse 1. And so the for this reason in verse 14 points us back to the unity that now exists within the body of Christ. And so Paul says, for this reason, now notice what else he says in verse 14, because I want you to notice the posture that Paul has in this prayer. He says, notice, he says, for this reason, uh, verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, what's interesting about the posture of Paul's prayer is that Paul doesn't normally tell us the posture of his prayer. Paul doesn't normally come before us in prayer and say, I'm standing before the Lord, I'm kneeling before the Lord, I'm on my face before the Lord. He's drawing attention to his posture because his posture is unique. Most Jews during this time would have prayed standing before the Lord. But Paul gets on his knees before the Lord. Now, don't forget what we looked at last week. Paul has every right to enter into the presence of God with confidence and boldness because he has access, because he is a child of God. Amen? He doesn't have to come before the Lord on his knees. He's coming before the Lord on his knees, expressing his humility before God. And so he's coming with confidence. He's coming with access and boldness, but he's also coming before the Lord with respect because of who God is. Amen? He remembers who God is. He remembers the one that he is praying to. And so in verse 14, he says that I bow my knees before the Father. And then look at what it says in verse 15. Then we're going to get to the first point, I promise. But notice what it says. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now the term Father that Paul uses at the end of verse 14 is a term that denotes intimacy and authority. Think about that for a minute. When you're speaking of your father, 
your dad, right? You're speaking of someone that hopefully you have an intimate relationship with, right? If all goes well, you have an intimate relationship with your dad, with your father, right? You love your dad. Your dad loves you. There's intimacy there, amen, right? But there's also authority there, right? You don't walk up to your dad and say, hey, bro, right? No, that, that's equalness, right? That's not the relationship that a father and a son have. It's not equality. The father has a level of authority that was given to him by God, amen? And so when Paul says, you're the father, he's speaking of intimacy, but he's recognizing the authority of God. And he says that this God is the one by whom all of creation has its name. He uses the phrase family. The term family there can be used to speak of a family unit like me and my personal family. But it can also be used in a broad sense to speak of an entire nation of people. Paul says that God has given name to every family in heaven and on earth. What does that mean? It means that every created being, whether angelic or human, whether on earth or in heaven, every created being has its source and its authority in God. God created it all. God is authority of it all. God is the source of it all. Amen? God owns everything. Amen? God is the God above all things. And so with all of that emphasis behind it in verses 14 and 15, Paul then begins to pray that God would do something for the church at Ephesus and that God would do something for all the saints we're going to notice. So what does Paul pray? Well, Paul prays that they will grow in spiritual strength. So number one this morning, let's pray that we will grow in spiritual strength. That's right. The sermon just started, so you can start your clocks now. Let's pray that we will grow in spiritual strength. Notice what Paul says then in verse 16. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Notice Paul prays that the church in Ephesus would be strengthened with power in the inner being. Also notice that this power is to be given according to the riches of God's glory. Well, let me just ask you, how rich is the glory of God? How much glory does God possess? Amen? It's unmeasurable. It's never ending. And what's amazing is that because God's glories are so rich, and that's the source that God, that Paul asked God to give us out of His glory, the richness of His glory, God can give us all that He needs, and it never takes away from who He is. That's incredible. Think about it. Let's say I've got $100. I don't, but let's just say I did. If I have $100 in my pocket and you ask me for 20, guess what? I can afford to give you $20. But what am I going to have left? 80. I didn't mean to do math. I'm sorry. Right? 80. I'm not going to have 100 left. When I give of something that I possess, it means I have less. Because I don't have an infinite supply of things, right? Not so with God. When God gives, it doesn't take anything away from Him. And so He's able to give out of the richness of His glory. He's able to give more abundantly than we can think or ask. We'll see at the end of this. God can give and give and give and give and give 
far more than we will ever need, far more than we could ever want. Amen? And Paul says, I am praying that out of the richness of God's glory, he will grant to you power and strength in the inner man. In other words, Paul says, I am praying that God will strengthen you on the inside. I'm praying that God will fill you with power. Now that power isn't power that enables us to lift heavy things, right? It's not power that enables us to to leap tall buildings. This isn't Superman type power. This is the power that enables us, listen to me, enables us to live out the Christian life. It's what enables us to withstand persecution and temptation. It's what enables us to overcome fear and share Christ. It's what enables us to follow Jesus when things are difficult. It's what enables us to not lose heart when our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted. It's the strength that we need to live out the Christian life because I've got news for everyone. The Christian life isn't easy. Amen? It's difficult. It's difficult to overcome temptation in a world that is filled with temptation. It's difficult to walk in purity in a world that is filled with impurity and throwing impurity at us all the time. I'm sure you've noticed, like I have, this month you can't really turn the TV on, right? Because we're being bombarded with impurity. We're being bombarded with filth, right? And it's constant. And it's all around us. And it's every single day. And just when you feel like you've conquered it, there's some more of it coming at you. Amen? And so what do we need? We need strength in the inner man in order to live out the Christian faith. Well, life is not just difficult, but it's really difficult sometimes. Amen? It's not just the stuff coming at you. It's the circumstances of life when things fall apart. Which seems to happen a lot if you haven't noticed. Right? We experience great difficulty, not just because of persecution, not just because of temptation, but because life is hard. And what enables us to keep following Jesus in those moments? It's strength in the inner man. It's power that comes from God. What enables my brother overseas to write to me and say, I am praying and trying to be faithful in the midst of persecution? What enabled him to stand and preach the gospel eight hours ago? Strength in the inner man. Amen? And so what Paul says is, Paul says, I am praying that God will grant you strength in the inner man. But notice what he says. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. I want you to know, this is not me and you digging deep in order to do better at this. Listen, this is, we're, we're in the middle of NBA finals. We're in the middle of, of, of hockey playoffs. And so if you watch sports, if you happen to catch SportsCenter, you will constantly see some athlete saying that they dug deep in order to do what they did, right? College uh, World Series going on, women's and softball going on. Like, like you'll find an athlete that'll say, well, you know what? I came out today and I was determined. I dug deep so that I could come up with that amazing performance. That is not what God wants you to do. Because that is not in your ability and power to do. Paul doesn't tell you to dig deep and overcome. Paul says that he's praying that God would grant you strength to overcome. Amen? 
How does this happen? Notice what Paul says in verse 17 and 18. I mean, excuse me, in verses uh, 16 and 17, he says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Where does the strength come from? Spoiler alert, not us. (laughs) Amen. It comes through the spirit of God. It comes through the indwelling of God's spirit where God loves us. God has called us into his family. We are now children of God indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And as we submit to God, as we submit to the spirit, his spirit gives us strength in the inner man. But then notice what it says in verse 17. It's not just the work of the spirit. Notice as well, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is where a a good understanding of the Trinity is helpful because we know that we serve one God that is three persons, right? Notice the parallel phrase here. We have the Spirit compared to Christ and then we have the inner being paralleled with the heart. And what we have here in verses, the end of verse 16 and the beginning of verse 17 are, are two realities of the same thing. And so the question becomes, who lives inside of me? Is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it Jesus? Well, according to the text, it's both, right? It's both because the spirit is living inside of our inner being and Jesus takes up residence in our heart. And the reality is it is Jesus who lives in us through faith and through the spirit. The way that it works is like this. The more we submit to the Spirit in our lives, the more we are strengthened with power to be transformed into the image of Christ who lives in our hearts. And so what do we need to do? We just need to keep surrendering more and more and more and more and more and more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Making sure that He's taking up all of our inner being. And that we're getting ourselves out of the way. Amen? How many of you have ever, ever taught uh, like your child or maybe grandchild how to drive a car? Have you ever taught someone how to drive a car? I, I've yet to get to do that, but I imagine it is an exciting and exhilarating opportunity in time, right? Because you, 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 put, you put your child behind the wheel of a car... And you sit on the other side of the car and you quickly realize why the DMV car has a brake pedal on your side, right? You mash the floorboard all you want. It doesn't seem to have any effect, right? There's a reason there's a brake pedal on that side of the car when you're learning how to drive, right? And so a parent has to get into the passenger seat and allow the child to drive, trusting that the child knows what they're doing when the child doesn't know what they're doing, right? And and what you're tempted to do constantly is to reach over and take control, right? Reach over and take control. You reach over and grab the wheel. I remember when I was driving, my my mom or my dad would try to reach over and grab the wheel, right? And you'd want to pop their hand, but you knew that'd be the last thing you did. So you didn't pop their hand, right? Well, listen, that's what we do sometimes when we give God control of our lives, is we give him control, but when things get scary to us, what do we try to do? We try to reach over and grab the wheel. We try to get some control again. As if, as if we know better than God in the moment. As if we can correct something that God's done wrong. God hasn't done anything wrong. Amen? It may be the difficulty you're facing is something God intends for you to go through. Amen? 
And so we have to be willing to trust him, even in the most difficult times, submitting ourselves fully unto him, allowing his strength to get us through whatever life brings to us. Amen? And again, it's not about you doing better. It isn't about you digging deeper, trying harder. It's about whether or not we are submitting ourselves over and over and over again to the work of God in our lives. So we don't do this, we pray for this. Amen? How do we bring this about? We pray for ourselves. God, help me to grow in spiritual strength. And then we pray this for one another. Amen? We pray for one another that God would enable us, empower us to grow in spiritual strength. So let's pray that we will grow in spiritual strength. And then secondly, let's pray that we will grow in our knowledge of love. Now, look at verse 17. Because in verse 17, Paul again sort of doesn't go off on a tangent like he did in verses 2 through 13. But he sort of gives us a little side note that's incredibly important in the context. Notice what he says. In verse 17, he says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Again, that was the parallel statement of how the Spirit dwells in our inner being. So the Spirit and Christ take up residence inside of us. But he says that Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. Notice the rest of verse 17. That you being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, here's what Paul says. He says, because Jesus lives inside of you, then you are therefore rooted and grounded in love. Now, how does that work? Well, here's how it works. First of all, you and I cannot understand and comprehend love until we have first been loved by God. You see, before that, all love that we think about that's love is either an emotional feeling like a Hallmark Channel type of love, that if you haven't noticed, those come and those go, right? Those feelings, those, they do like this, right? Or it's some kind of a selfish love that I love because I get something out of that love, right? It's not until we experience the love of God in our lives that we are then able to love in that sacrificial servant kind of love that God's talking about here. So where do we experience This love, we experience this love through the gospel. We experience this love through the sacrifice of Christ. Remember, it's Romans 5, 8 that says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God that the text is referring to. Amen? It's that you and I were sinners who were separated from God's grace and God's love. You and I, because of our sin, deserve death, judgment, and hell. But God desired a relationship with us, thereby God's plan all along was that he would send his own son to pay the penalty of death that we owed, that he would sacrifice his son on the cross so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins and eternal life with Christ. That we could be reconciled back to God. That's right, we who are filthy rags. We who are none good, no, not one. We who deserve death. We who were not worthy. We're worthy in God's eyes because he loves us. Amen? That's the love of God. 
And that's the love that God had for us. That's the love that God demonstrated for us through Christ. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love that Paul says we are rooted and we are grounded in because we have placed our faith in Jesus. Because God called me unto salvation, because God enabled me to respond to his salvation, I am now firmly planted. I am grounded and I am rooted. My life has been established on what? On the love of God. And like roots, everything flows from God's love for me. It's what strengthens me. It's what nourishes me. It's what holds me up. It's what empowers me. It is all based upon the love of God. Amen? And what Paul says, notice in verse 17, he says that you've been rooted and you've been grounded in love. And then he prays his second petition. May you have strength to then comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ. Paul says because you've been saved by God, you're grounded and rooted in love. That's an established fact. That has happened if you've trusted Jesus. Amen? Paul says, what I'm praying is that you will grow now in your knowledge and understanding of that love. Because it's far greater than you and I fully comprehend. Paul says, I'm praying that you might be able to comprehend the, the, the height, the depth, the breadth, the width. Right? Notice God's love. It's like it goes off in all directions. Right? Goes that way, that way, that way, that way, that way, that way. It's all encompassing. Amen? And Paul says, I'm praying that you might understand it. So notice the details. Notice Paul prays, first of all, not just for the Ephesians, but notice he prays for all the saints. I got good news. That includes us. Amen? We need to better understand the love of Christ. Secondly, notice God's love is vast or big so that we need to understand all of it. His love goes in all four directions, as I said, if you will. It's all-encompassing, bigger than we can comprehend on our own. Then thirdly, notice His love cannot be comprehended without God revealing it to us. Look in verse 19. He says, To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul says, I can't comprehend it. It's beyond my knowledge. It's beyond my abilities. The only thing I can do is pray that God would give me more and more and more of that knowledge. Amen? And that's what happens. The more we pray it, the more God reveals it to us. We will never fully comprehend it. Which means there's always prayers to be prayed that we would grow in our knowledge. And the more and the more and the more we understand and know the love of Christ, the more it empowers us to live fully and completely devoted to Him. Amen? When you know how much God loves you, it gives you a desire to live for Him. When you know how much God loves you, it empowers you to live for Him. And so, once God reveals His love to us more and more and more, notice the outcome in verse 19. He says that you might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, it doesn't take 
much thinking to realize that that's a really big statement. Paul says, I want you to know the love of God, the love of Christ, so that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, we just tried like a little bit ago to comprehend how rich God's glory is. There's no way you and I can be filled with the fullness of God. To be filled with the fullness of God means that we will be filled with what it means to be God. We will be holy as He is holy, perfect as He is perfect, love like He loves. We're not there, amen? And we know that on this side of heaven, we're not going to get there, amen? But we also know that we've been promised and guaranteed that one day we will get there. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, one of the most comforting verses in all of Scripture, for those whom he foreknow, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Thus, the more we know and experience the love of God in Christ, the more we grow into the image of Christ and the more we are filled with the fullness of God. Here's why I think that verse is so comforting. Because that verse tells me that one day I will be conformed into the image of Christ fully and completely. And it's not up to me to get there. God's already destined it to happen. Amen? Good news. Because I'm telling you, if it's up to me, I ain't going to get there. Not even close. Again, it's not about doing better. It's about submitting ourselves more and more and more to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the difficulty, we continue to submit. We can't do better. Instead, we're to pray more. And so let's pray that we will grow in spiritual strength. Let's pray that we will grow in our knowledge of God's love. And then thirdly, let's pray that we will grow in glorifying God. Just as a reminder, look at what Paul says in verse 20 as he again, thinks to the God he's praying to. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. You see, what Paul is doing is he's bringing the first half of this letter to a close. You're gonna, we're going to see that Ephesians breaks down into two separate parts. Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 and then chapters 4 through 6. It's divided in half intentionally by Paul. It's, it's how he wrote the letter. So he's bringing the first half to a conclusion. And as he's bringing it to a conclusion, he is giving God glory for all that we've seen God has done in and through salvation in the first three chapters. Right? The first three chapters detail God's work of salvation. How we have been predestined and chosen before the foundations of the world. How through faith in Christ we've been redeemed, adopted into the family of God. Jews and Gentiles who once were divided have been united together into the body of Christ. We have much to be thankful for because of salvation. Amen? And so Paul ends chapter 3 by saying, let's give God the glory due his name. But notice what he says before he gets there in verse 21. He says, the God that we want to bring glory is the same God that can do for you far more abundantly than you can ask or even imagine. That's incredible. That God can do in us not just more than we can ask, but more than we can even imagine. And notice that he does that according to the power at work where? 
in us. Not our power, but the power that's at work within us. And so what Paul prays is Paul prays that God would work in us and through us so that God in the end would be glory, glorified. You see, the God who's able to do far more abundantly than we can think or ask is the same God that can work in us through his power. And therefore, through God, we are able to do great things for the kingdom. I want you to know that about yourselves. God is able to use you for his glory more than you can think or ask. You. You. In spite of your sin, in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of who you know you are, God is able to work in you and through you, and God can do great things through you. Not only can God, God wants to. And God will, because God is the one whose power is working in us. All we have to do is let God do it by submitting to him. And when we do, notice what happens in verse 21, God gets the glory. Paul says this is to happen to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Notice that all generations forever and ever. That includes us. Amen. God wants this for us. What does he want? Well, he wants the church to bring him glory. Well, that's us. Amen. How do we as the church bring him glory? First, we put our faith and trust in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. We become a part of the church by trusting Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And so as we, the church, put our faith in Christ and put our faith in Jesus, then we continue to bring him glory by walking worthy of our salvation. You say, how do you know that's what Paul means? Because notice what he says in chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. In other words, walk worthy of your salvation. So Paul says, listen, you can bring God glory by putting your faith in Jesus and by walking worthy of your salvation. Not by doing better, but you accomplish that by submitting more of yourself to the Lord. Amen? But then he says, not only... Does God get glorified in and through the church? God gets glorified in Christ. Why? Because Jesus brought God glory through his obedience and sacrifice on the cross. That is why Jesus serves as our example. And he is the end goal of our faith that one day we will be conformed into his image. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, don't look at me. Look at him who sent me. He was the perfect example of obedience He was the perfect example of one who always gave glory to the Father. And when God does far more than we could think or ask in us and through us, it's not us who get glorified, it's the Father. Amen? And so, in order for this to happen, we, again, cannot simply do better. We can't just dig deeper. We have to allow God to strengthen us and increase us in our knowledge of his love so that our lives will bring him glory. So what do we do? Well, we pray. Amen? We pray and we submit. It's not a three-step process to success. It's pray, 
and submit. You can't do it. I can't do it. He can do it. So what do we do? I pray for myself that I would be strengthened. I pray for myself that I would grow in knowledge of his love. I pray for me that I would bring God glory in my life. And then I turn around and I pray that for you. Just like Paul prayed it for the church at Ephesus. And then, after I've prayed that, I then submit more and more of myself to Jesus. Looking forward to seeing whatever he's going to do in me and through me. Amen? But again, strengthened in the inner man so that when his will for my life is hard, I won't turn back. But I'll keep following Jesus. So, let's pray. Let's pray right now. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we come before you right now and we pray that you would help us to grow in spiritual strength. Lord, I pray that as the pastor of this church, I pray that for everyone in this room, Lord, that you would help us to grow in spiritual strength by submitting more and more of ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit. Lord, it is your Son, Jesus, that lives inside of us. Lord, we want to submit all that we have to you that we might be enabled to follow you faithfully in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to grow in spiritual strength. Lord, we also pray that we would grow in our knowledge of your love. Lord, we, we, are, we, are, we are in awe of how much you love us. We're in awe that you sent your son Jesus to die as a sacrifice for us. We are not worthy of that. Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for your love for us. But Lord, we know that we don't fully comprehend it. It's bigger than we can comprehend. So Lord, help us to learn more and more about it. Help us to, to grow in our knowledge of your love. That your love might motivate us to surrender more of ourselves to you. Because the more we know how much you love us, the more willing we are to submit more and more and more of ourselves to you. So Lord, I pray that we would grow in our knowledge of your love. And Lord, I pray that we would grow in glorifying you. That that would be the motivation of all that we do. That in everything we do, we would want to bring you glory. Because Lord, you deserve the glory. And so Lord, we pray that you would do these things in us through your power far more abundantly than we can think to even ask or possibly even imagine. Lord, do these things for us, ultimately for your glory. Amen.